The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, episode 188. We are joined today by a rock star, Robbie Vegas, a pro wrestler out of Buffalo, New York. How are you doing there, Robbie? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. Um, you reached out to me actually through my other show, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, which we don't really do interviews on, but I do like talking to indie wrestlers, so I wanted to get you on Geekish Cast because I thought then at least we could talk and make sure I still like talking to independent wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, normally, I do a little more homework on people than I did with you, so I'm going to lean on you to tell us about who you are and how you got into wrestling a little bit. So, Robbie, how what was it about pro wrestling that you uh, took a shine to? You know, I, I loved it my whole life for as long as I can remember. My, my earliest memories are watching wrestling, and I remember having the little Hasbro action figures of Jake the Snake and Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man and all those guys. And uh, it was just my my happy place you know what i mean whenever i yep. was feeling down whenever i needed to pick me up i was watching wrestling i had magazines toys it was just my whole life was wrestling um and the other part of my life which you could probably figure out from my name rockstar was uh music so those those were my two things i'm a guitar player and a singer and uh you know got into wrestling when i was 23 so i've been doing it for the last seven years now Right on. Who who was your absolute favorite wrestler when you were a kid? Hands down, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And, and would you say that he is still now your favorite wrestler? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, though. I, I do love a lot of the guys that are around right now. But if it wasn't for Shawn Michaels, I would not be wrestling. Um, I remember being eight years old watching the Iron Man match uh, between him and Bret Hart. And that was the moment that I knew I had to wrestle someday. Eight years old, I told myself... I'm going to be a wrestler. And I, I ended up finally doing it. And, of course, you picked kind of a tricky time to get into it as well because some would have put the death knell in pro wrestling in 2000, 2001 when Vince McMahon became the only player on the block. But there's suddenly a flourishing indie scene and indie shows getting TV deals. Not only that, but, you know, uh, Internet video and things now. There's, there's this wide open market for young hungry artists or wrestlers such as yourself to get out there mm -hmm. have you found that to be true like is this a good time you feel to get into wrestling or to be a wrestler absolutely um there's indie promotions popping up all over the place and not only that but the talent out there right now is off the charts and i think that there's no better time to be in wrestling and now there's really no cap on your weight your age anything because it's just such a dominant thing and almost anybody you run into is a wrestling fan I, I think it was it's a perfect time to be in wrestling right now 
Yeah, I wish I had been paying a little bit closer attention to figure out who the first guy to really figure out how to make money on the indie scene. But Cody Rhodes is saying he makes more now than he did for the WWE. Oh, yeah. I can completely, completely believe that with him. I mean, he has just taken off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think like John Morrison, I I can't think of his his real last name right now, Um, but Johnny Nitro. I think mm-hmm. he was yeah. one of the first guys to really land in a solid spot and go, you know, between merchandise sales and this, that, and the other, and I can do shows here, here, and here. He's making a living without working for Vince McMahon, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he, he had that movie that he did, uh, Boone the Bounty Hunter, that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> here's the thing about that. I blew my chance to get an interview with him because I didn't check my email one day. Oh, really? Yes, the uh, one, oh, of the, one of the publicity companies that actually emailed me an interview opportunity, and I was like not paying attention or half asleep. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I was a little a little disappointed the next month when I finally saw that. I went, oh, come on. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. And and that, that movie was actually really good, too. I, I, I went out and bought it after I saw it because I enjoyed it so much. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so how did you, going from deciding you're going to be a pro wrestler, how did you actually get into wrestling? What were your steps involved in you know getting into the career? Um, I actually, the gym I used to go to, um, I recognized one of the guys from the, the indie scene, um, in my area. And I went up to him and started asking him questions about who I can talk to for training. And through him, I met a bunch of the indie wrestlers that come through and I started asking questions and I wound up being trained, uh, by the Buffalo bad boy, Brian Jennings. And, uh, his trainer was, uh, was Les Thatcher. So I got, real solid training through him and uh you know of course people who came through Les Thatcher were you know Dean Ambrose, Carl Anderson, uh Pepper Parks and guys like that so I really trusted where he was coming from and that's where I ended up going. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about you know as an indie guy are, are you working at one promotion are you working at several how does that how does your life wrap around your career at this point? Uh, I work for several promotions, actually. I try and get work um, basically wherever I can, um, whether the promoter contacts me or I contact promoters. Um, I try to stay in the ring every single weekend um, or even during the week if I can. But um definitely out there grinding, just trying to pick up as many companies as possible and make sure that I'm always in the ring, always improving, always getting better. My whole focus this year is making sure that I have bookings and that I'm out there getting my name out there. Now, do you handle that all yourself, or do you have, like, a promoter or a manager or a partner that helps you with that side of things? I, for the most part, handle it myself. I handle it for my tag partner and uh, another member of our faction um, that we roll with, and I try and get bookings for the three of us. Um, and pretty much 90% of the time, the rest of the time, uh, Cyclone, um, Cyclone Jones, also from this area, um, also gets bookings for us as well. So if you're not in the ring, you're on the phone pretty much then. Oh, yeah. I'm always emailing, Facebook messaging, Twitter messages, Instagram messages, calling, whatever I need to do. Um, but the great thing about it is, is usually once, you know, we get into a company, we show what we have. You know, here's what I can do. Here's what I got. And, um, you know, nine times out of ten, we just end up being booked from there. So we don't have to worry about always trying to constantly be messaging the promoters and get on the shows. Once we're on, we're pretty much on. Okay. Now, you said you're also a musician. Yes. What is your favorite band of all time? Uh, Kiss. 
that's that's a, yeah. no, that's a solid answer. That's, see, I always yeah. go with Iron Maiden. Oh, I love Maiden. Yeah, Maiden's awesome. Yeah. Uh, who who? What bands are most influential? Is it all Kiss, or who do you really look to for influencing your musical style? Uh, 80s hair metal. Um, my my runner up to Kiss is Poison. I also love Warrant Winger. Um, pretty much any band from that that era. Rat, the L.A. Guns, um, anything. Faster Pussycat. If it's from the 80s and it's hair metal, chances are I love it. <laughs> you know, so Faster Pussycat. I think yeah, it was Faster Pussycat. My dad passed away in February, but he was a plumber his entire life, right? Mm-hmm. At one point in the 90s, my dad asked me, have you ever heard of this band, Faster Pussycat? And I said, yeah, I've heard of them. I'm not like a big fan. He goes, well, their guitarist or bassist is our new apprentice at South Valley Plumbing. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, the dude's a lunatic. He drives around. He's got a uh, mannequin that he puts in the uh, passenger seat so he can drive in the HOV and uh, uh you know, uh, park, uh, carpool lanes in the Bay Area. I was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> wow, that's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was kind of a, a funny story. I hope. I hope I'm remembering the band right because I used to tell that all the time. And then you kind of forget, and as time goes on, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sparked it when you said that. So uh, this leads me to another question, and we just Bobby Blaze and I just did a, a show for Bell to Bell mm-hmm. where we covered the ten greatest entrance themes. Oh. Entrance themes are a huge part of pro wrestling. Now, you as Rockstar or Robbie Vegas, whether on your own or in your tag team, do you have a set intro song that you use? Yes, we do. Uh, the tag team's called the Nightbreed, and uh, we use the theme Nightbreed by the Frankenstein Drag Queens from Planet 13. Um, lead singer is Wednesday 13, one of my all-time favorite bands. And, uh, you know, shout-out to my buddy Jack, who plays guitar for Wednesday 13. Nice. Um so we use that as a as a tag team. Um, and if I ran down the list of all of my entrance themes, you you wouldn't be surprised now that we've just had this conversation about uh, <laughs> about music. But I've had you know White Snake and Warrant and you know things like that. So whatever, because I I dress like Vince Neil. My my I was current say, gear. <laughs> I just I, I've watched a couple of your matches and I got a Motley Crue vibe off of you. Yeah. Absolutely. My my newest gear that I have made right now is actually modeled from uh, Vince Neil from Motley Crue, uh, the Shout at the Devil record. So my current trunks are actually those. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. The Shout at the Devil album is the only album I ever had taken away from me because it was satanic. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to remember the 80s were a weird time, man. Like people believe there were like witches kidnapping children and shit and that there was a, a huge government uh, devil conspiracy. Oh, it was a weird time. That's fair. I mean, I'm stuck in the 80s, even though I was only alive for three years of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, it was just a very strange time. And, and you know, and yeah, you know, it, like as a teenager in the 80s. Yeah, I, I did buy the most satanic looking stuff I could find. And I did own the satanic Bible. But, you know, it was just, you know, weird kid stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was that phase that everybody had to go through, like yeah. a rite of passage. <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. You know, you, you watch you watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You listen to Slayer and you read stuff yeah. that's kind of pointless. See, you're talking my language again because I'm a huge horror movie fanatic. So oh. I'm into like, you know, Jason and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I actually have Jason and Michael Myers tattoos. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. All my tattoos are like more pop culture or personal. I've got a Flash Gordon tattoo. That's cool. <laughs> I've got a Millennium Falcon that says never tell me the odds around it and scroll work. 
Um, after my dad died, I got a Lone Ranger tattoo with his birth and death date underneath it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then I got a Greyhound, a Dragon, and some other crap that I can't see because it's on my back and chest, and I always forget it's there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exist to you. It's for everybody else. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, <laughs> especially if it's on my back. Like, my wife is the only person who will ever see this, you know? Right, of course. Yeah. Do you remember what horror film you first got turned on to? Uh, there was two, actually. The mm-hmm. first two that I watched, because I still consider this a horror movie, is Jaws. Um, yeah, and, there's uh, an argument to be made there. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And the the other one that uh, got me going was Fright Night, the original Fright Night. Oh, that was a good one, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I was way too young to be watching those, but uh, thanks to my grandmother, I'm now a horror movie freak because I was five and six years old watching Draws and Fright Night. And, you know, uh... no, for me, that's about right, because I remember watching zombie movies with my parents when I was like five and six. Oh, really? Okay, oh, yeah, so I'm not, absolutely. I'm not no, that weird. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, I remember watching, there was one called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Um, just by the name I'd watch that oh yeah yeah I mean if you can find it for free somewhere check it out but like don't go out of your way to see it it's not great because I did (laughs) that a few years ago I was like oh I remember that let's oh okay Um, maybe there's a reason I haven't seen it since 1979 yeah right yeah (laughs) I will tell you though my favorite TV show of all time is the Munsters that's a great one I love the Munsters Uh, you, you know and Herman Munster wrestled too I do remember that episode yeah. because I have I have the box set, so I have every episode. <laughs> I, I believe it was in season one. Well, there were only two seasons, if I remember yes. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was two seasons, but there was a lot of episodes in two seasons. <laughs> well, yeah, back in the 60s, they used to do like 32 episodes a season. Yeah, exactly. You know, you go back, you watch like the first season of Star Trek, it's like 28 episodes or something. Yeah. yeah. So are you, I actually uh, have Lily mm-hmm. Munster tattooed on my shoulder. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you got a good set of tattoos going there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my other addiction. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually understand how that goes. Sometimes, like, my wife and I joke that it's just um, the, the subtext of every tattoo is either tell me, ask me about my parents' divorce or I would be a cutter if it weren't for ink. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So that that is that is a conversation that happens around my house quite a bit. Because my wife and I, I, I have to wear long sleeve shirts for work because I'm covered to my wrists. Oh, okay. But gotcha. you know, if I put on a suit, nobody can tell. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was, I was going to stay with the horror movie thing for a minute, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. So you've got Jason and Michael tattooed on you. Yes. If you were to make a, and this is going to be uh, cribbing from a wrestling question, but if you were to make a Mount Rushmore of your top four slasher characters, who would you put on there? I will go with, of course, Jason and Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do Ghostface from Scream. Oh, that's a good one. And uh, I would probably do... Um, ah, the fourth one's going to be a little tough, but I'll have to go with Freddy on that one. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I, I love the way that he talks a lot of smack while he's uh, doing his murders. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Let me change that. I'm going to go with Victor Crowley from Hatchet. That would that would be... That's a good yeah. one, too, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually a big fan of... Uh... Oh, I'm Adam Green. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. His, mm-hmm. Did you ever see his TV show, Holliston? I did not, actually. Okay. If you get a chance to check that out, check that out. That's good stuff. I definitely will. Kane Hodder and everybody's in it. There's always, like, horror movie stuff going on. It's it's really cool. I love Kane Hodder. I yeah. really do. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. As a Jason fan, yeah. do you prefer uh, parts two, three, and four Jason or post-zombie Jason? 
I'm definitely going with two, three, and four. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. when I watch Friday the Thirteenth. Sometimes I might skip part one, but what I usually do is watch one through four, and then kind of eh, whatever about the rest. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're if they're on, and I I do own them all, of course. Of course. Just you know, being a fan, you got to have the collection. Yeah. But um, yeah, two, three, and four are definitely, I think, the most iconic. Um, after that, they can get a little bit silly, but that's kind of what makes them good too. Is that campy, like, you know, it's horror, but it's so like tongue in cheek. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of feel like that's fun too, because I do love like B horror movies as well. So. Oh, yeah. Well, usually, you know, there's kind of a thing, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you'll pretty much watch all wrestling. If you're a podcasting person, you'll pretty much listen to any podcast. And if you're into horror movies, you'll pretty much watch anything. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Because <laughs> I'm doing a thing right now where I'm going through watching every Amazon Prime horror movie I can find, and I'm only satisfied if I feel like it was shot on a VHS camera. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> those, You know, those are so entertaining, though. Oh, they but... can they can be. Yeah, yeah. Even if they're horrible, you're just entertained at how bad they are. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's kind of a thing there. And then you start, like, trying to do, like, the calculations, like, are the actresses hot enough, or, you know, anybody in here, are they hot enough to make up for how bad everything else is? (laughs) You know, I was watching uh, Camp Blood 4 earlier. I was like, okay, so, like, two of the actresses are really good looking. But pretty much this whole movie has been a flashback to part three, which was terrible. So now you're just like squaring the terribleness of one movie into two. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty creative. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go low budget, there's no lower budget than that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> just like, well, I want to borrow 45 minutes of footage from my other movie, and we'll have a runtime of 70 minutes. We got this. We're covered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so I understand you just had a big tag team match. You want to tell us about who it was against? I did. I just faced uh, WWE Legends, Powers of Pain, Warlord, and Barbarian. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it was it was a great experience, and uh, those guys could still go, believe it or not. Um, and they're, they're two of the greatest guys I've ever met, but especially Barbarian, he can really go. Yeah. And uh, the match itself came out really well, and I am proud of it. And we, we just had a blast out there. I was exhausted by the time it was over, but, uh, man, leading up to it, I was training so hard and watching their videos and recent videos too, not just their WWE, you know, matches on the network or anything, but indie videos that I was finding. And uh, as soon as I saw that they could still go, I was like, this is going to be huge. Yeah. And um, yeah, it came out really, really good. And it was a big show too. Adam Rose was on the show and Shane Douglas was on the show. So I really wanted to make sure we had a good match. Oh, that's awesome. I am such a big Shane Douglas fan. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. I've been on three shows with him so far. I have a fourth coming up pretty soon, actually. Um, but he's always a pleasure to have in the locker room, and he he always is willing to help help the young guys, give you advice, and he's just real humble, you know? He seems to have uh, – I've seen some interviews with him recently. He seems to mellow with age. Yeah, he's real chill. Yeah. He just kind of hangs out and laughs with everyone. And like I said, if you need advice or, you know, you need pointers, he's right there, and he's he's really helpful. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I yeah. do miss the franchise, Shane Douglas. Oh, yeah, that was, wow. Yeah. We, <laughs> Being um, a teenager when he was the franchise was yeah. like a great thing. <laughs> no, it absolutely was. We we recently covered that. Well, I'm going to reference back to my other podcast, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, quite a bit since we're talking wrestling. Sure. But, but he was on one of our episodes where we were talking like the greatest people that never actually held a quote-unquote proper world title. And Shane Douglas <laughs> were kind of on the horns because he won the NWA title. But he won it 
when it didn't mean as much. And he founded the ECW ECW World Title, but it was really only defended, you know, in the Northeast. So is that yeah. really a World Title? So it's a great question. Yeah, because <laughs> what we I would did, have never thought of that. Yeah, so what we did was we just kind of went, well, if it's an NWA title, it's a World Title. If it's the WWF through WWE, it's a World Title. And if it's the AWA title up to the point before Larry Zbysko held it, it's a World Title. I think that's fair. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. there's things to be made about other ones out there, but yeah. you know, world title kind of got meaningless there for a while. When if it's just the championship of a promotion, it's not really a world title. Exactly, I I say that all the time. It's it's a heavyweight title. Yeah, well, yeah. and even that. Now you talk to me about this. What's the cutoff for a heavyweight now? You know, I'm really not sure because it seems to be very different. Uh, <laughs> on the indies or in WWE or even ring of honor. So yeah. uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure what you would consider a heavy weight, but what else could you call your top title on the company? That's, that's <laughs> a very good question. I do like to get off in the weeds on this one. Cause you know, there used to be things like, you know, welterweight and junior heavyweight and lightweight. Right. Yeah. But you know, size classes are kind of gone. And speaking of which, were you afraid the barbarian was going to just pick you up and throw you out of the ring? Absolutely. Because <laughs> I think you know, he could do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, my, my biggest thing is, okay, these guys are both monsters. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm basically weightless. <laughs> so going up against them, they can pretty much do whatever they wanted, and I would have no say. <laughs> yeah. There's so, a, a lot of trust has to be involved in that. Yeah. I mean, they did toss me around a little bit. That's for sure. I mean, I'm I'm 190 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> those guys are upwards of 300 pounds. Yeah, well, so, yeah. I'm sure they could accidentally toss yeah. people around without even you know. It's like Cthulhu just kind of tromping through the village, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, you know, they did. You know, Warlord got me with a, a pretty good gut wrench power bomb, and you know, like I said, Barbarian could still 100% go. So he he tossed me around a little bit too. So. It was definitely a hard-hitting match. I was feeling it for a while. <laughs> well, a gut wrench power bomb—that's a move that could kill you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're just off a little bit, you're you're either dead or paralyzed. You know. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, there yeah. A, is there a move you'd be afraid to take in the ring? Um, you know, there's a lot of moves that are scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but that trust factor's just got to be there, like uh. Personally, I think a package pile driver is a pretty scary move to take. Um, but, you know, I've taken it from uh, Maximo Suave, and he makes sure that he does it just perfect. So although it is a scary move, and even for the crowd, it's still a scary move to witness, um, there is a lot of trust involved. So it really depends on who you're in there with. If you know you're in there with straight professionals, trained properly, know 100% what they're doing, um, Every move should be safe, no matter what it is. Yeah, I just I, I'd have to think that you know, like I don't like to climb a ladder anymore at my age, you know. And, and to right. me, you know, <laughs> being in a wrestling match, like every move is a ladder. I'm just no, no, right? <laughs> oh God, no. Yeah. And I go back I and I watch. It. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I go back and I watch just like Stan Hansen giving somebody the lariat, and I'm like, who who does this? Yeah, right. <laughs> who signs up for this job? Yeah, you know, I mean, after matches, sometimes you get to the locker room and your whole body's just aching and you're like, wow, we just did that. <laughs> you know, it, it's 
you have to be a certain kind of person to be a professional wrestler. You, you just have to be. Knowing you're walking in, you're going to get hurt. Things are going to hurt. Every move you take is going to hurt. You know, it, it drives me crazy when people think, like, the mat is soft or, you know, the moves that we're doing to each other don't actually hurt. Everything we do from point A to point B is going to hurt, and you have to mentally prepare for that every single time you're about to walk through that curtain. So it takes a very special person to be able to do that. Oh, absolutely. And that thing about people thinking the mat is soft, I, I every time I hear somebody say that, I just think, you know how many broken ankles you would see if that were a thickly padded mat? Right, right, exactly. You know, I almost break my neck three times a day just going over rugs in my house. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they realize, and it's like if you watch wrestling at all, if you're a wrestling fan, these guys are walk like just watch them even walk or run across the mat. There's there's nothing giving under their feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like it's super soft mattress, you know, or like or I've heard people say, you know, what's it kind of like a trampoline? Like, are you kidding? <laughs> it's boards over cables. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Now my son went and helped set up a couple different wrestling rings a few different times here in California. Mm-hmm. And um you know, just seeing the pictures of what it's like underneath, you're just like, that is, that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The boards and the, the, the steel. <laughs> yeah. There is no give in any of that. Yeah. And seeing people's faces when they finally see that for the first time is like, yeah, not what you thought it was. <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions? I mean, outside of the ring being padded that mm-hmm. people have about pro wrestling or pro wrestlers. Um, I would say they think that matches are choreographed from beginning to end. And that also drives me crazy (laughs) because just think about it. If you have a 20 minute match, are you going to remember everything that you wanted to do for 20 minutes in order from beginning to end? And when I put it that way to people, that's when you see them go, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Like, I don't know if they think we go somewhere and, like, map it out every day of the week leading up to that night, and then we have the whole thing memorized. I, I have no idea what they think, but it's just, to me, it's impossible. I, I just, you can't remember 20 minutes worth of a match from beginning to end. So I, I think that's a pretty big one. And that's that one actually bothers me the most, when people are like, yeah, but you guys have gone over it X amount of times. I'm like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> you know? And, you know, a prime example of... um you know how that's impossible when i first wrestled uh leo rush in the velveteen dream in uh, maximum force wrestling those guys came in from maryland and this was in silver creek new york we had met them just hours before the show was going to start there would have been absolutely no way for us to have the match that we had on paper memorized choreographed whatever people think that it is that we do it's just not possible so it was more like handshakes, intro- introductions, and let's take it from here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot more like improv, like you know notes, and you know what notes you can play. Right. Than it, than it is like a symphony where it's all rehearsed and practiced out and ready to run with 25 Absolutely. million moving parts, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like what I do when I, you know, when I'm playing music out, you know, at a bar or whatever, and there's other musicians there that want to jump in and play with me. You know, they they know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing, and we jump up and play. You know, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I've always been curious, because I know if you watch older matches where people didn't watch the cameras real close, you could see wrestlers communicate like uh, mm-hmm. knee or whatever, you know, you know, throw me in the corner, things coming. Yeah. So I've always been interested in that part of it. Um, this does bring up a certain thing, though, is that do you think i, I got to figure out the right way to say this. I sure. think losing kayfabe is one of the most damaging things that happened to pro wrestling. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But but mm-hmm. the cat's out of the bag, and now we get to see behind the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to sell yourself as a serious athlete, artist, or what, whatever you consider it, now that people don't just suspect it, but that the owner of the biggest wrestling company in the world has flat out said it? I think that it has made it more difficult in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that once you get comfortable and you get in your zone, you can still suspend that that disbelief to the crowd, even if it's just for the moment, even if it's just during your match. And then they go back to knowing what they know after they leave the show. Yeah. I think that's the key is just being able to just make them for a second, look at the person sitting next to him and go, Whoa, did you, did you see that? Did you think that was like, he's, he's pretty mad right now. You know what I mean? Like just that split second is like, okay, we got him. And I, I, to me, I think that, it does make it harder, but if we can somehow bring it back around to where just for the time being, they're at least questioning what they know or what they think they know, we can still do it. But there are those people that are like, oh, yeah, but what you do is like predetermined, right? And it's like, you know, you don't understand the abuse that our bodies go through, the time that we have to spend in the gym, the time that we spent training to be able to do this. Like we are 100% athletes. And in my mind, I think wrestlers are some of the best athletes in the world. I I would not disagree with that statement. Yeah. I mean, no off season, you know what I mean? Like wrestlers are going all the time. Well, it's, you're kind of in that spot where, I mean, I'm sure you're, you're, you'll get there if you're not doing it now, but conventions, you know, mm-hmm. so while you're not get, trying to get yourself booked, working out at the gym, mm-hmm. raising a family, uh, yep. you, you're having to go out and meet fans and sign autographs. You're, yes. you're not, you're never off of work. Right. Absolutely. You know, and that is, that's a hundred percent true statement. I know I've done the, uh, there's a comic con that comes through called the nickel city con. And, you know, I've, I've gone and done appearances there and, um, it is, there's, there's just, it's constant networking. You know, social media, you got to be up on your social media. You got, you have to sell yourself 24 seven. Now, do you ever, I, I don't know how different you are in, from your day to day life to your, your character, Robbie Vegas. I mean, are you pretty much the same guy? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I do the rock star gimmick because uh, music is my thing and I, I love, you know, rock and roll. And, um, that's pretty much the way I've always been. I've, I've been playing in bands or solo even since I was, uh, 14. Um, you know, actually on Friday, I, um, I played at the uh, big venue here, uh, well, about an hour from here, uh, the VIP tent at, uh, Darien Lake because, um, Leonard Skinner came through oh, nice. and, uh, yeah, they were playing their, their farewell tour and, uh, they hired me to play in the VIP tent for the VIP ticket holders before the show starts. So, um, you know, wow. I do, I'm, I'm a musician through and through. Um, I portray that even with my rock star, you know, gimmick, if you want to call it that in, um, in wrestling. But, um, I just amp it up a little bit, you know, whether I'm heel or face, I'm still myself. I just amp it up a little bit. 
And that's, I think, why it works for me, because people realize that that's who I really am. I'm not just trying to pretend to be this this character like Robbie Vegas is me turned up to 11. Yeah. There's there's a certain thing about like you're saying, the authenticity um, these days, like comedians and everybody else. You have to be accessible to your fan base. Yep. And, and that's kind of a new thing. I, I've even seen Jerry Seinfeld talk about a time. He's like, look, when I started, nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew mm-hmm. what I ate for breakfast. He goes, but now you can get my wife's cookbook. Right. It, right. It's a very, a very different time. Have you ever heard of the band out there? They're, they're kind of small, but they're one of my favorites. Reign of Zaius. I have not, but I will definitely look them up. Check them out. They do, they do a lot of like horror movie stuff and these songs about like the evil dead. Obviously, the big Planet of the Apes fans, they're kind of out, sort of in your neck of the woods there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I would definitely check that out. I'm a huge fan of, like, horror horror rock, mm-hmm. um, which is why I like Wednesday 13 and Rob Zombie and, uh, you know, things along that that focus on that kind of topic. I, yeah. I love that stuff, too. That's, like, my second to the 80s hair metal. So, yeah. Well, fans good, like good the horror pops. Yeah. And, yeah. All right, so you you were telling me before we started recording that the super kick is kind of your finishing move. Yes. So I have a love-hate relationship with the super kick. Oh, so do you. So do I. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Back when one one of my favorites was Chris Adams back in the day. Okay. And Chris Adams, nobody ever got up from his super kick. Right. Nowadays, and and I'm not going to shit on these guys, but nowadays you got the Young Bucks who will throw 915 in a match. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you approach the super kick? What are your feelings on the super kick? Give me a little bit of that. Um, I will always love it, um, just for the fact that Shawn Michaels was my guy growing up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again with him, that was his finish. He weren't getting up from that, um, unless it was a super special occasion. Hence the Undertaker. Um, but you know, when I use it, it's it's the finish. It has to be the finish. Um, if it's not the finish, there better be a good reason why it's not the finish. <laughs> Um, but that's, that's really my, my stance on it is I think it's abused right now. I see even in WWE, a lot of guys use it just, you know, randomly middle of a match or even to start a match and the match will go on for another five, 10 minutes after that. Um, I'm not in love with that, but I think if it's done the right way, it can still make sense. Yeah. Well, they use, I mean, the false finish is used a lot more now than it was in the past. Very true. It, it Very builds true. it builds drama. I mean, you can't you can't really complain too much about it because it it pulls you in. You know, yeah. Like, oh my God! I can't believe you got up. You know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, of course. And like you're saying, you have to get that suspension disbelief, even if it's for five seconds. Yes, exactly. And I think one. Uh, I, I love that Dolph Ziggler uses it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now that he actually is finishing people off with it from time to time. Because um, for a while there, he was he was just using it, but. Um, eventually it turned into a finish for him. And I think that it's a perfect fit for the the character that he's working with right now. Yeah. Well, you know, like I say, that thing about Chris Adams never had to super kick a guy a second time. Actually, that's not true. He had to super kick Terry Gordy a second time. One time. I'm a fan of Terry Gordy. (laughs) The guy was was almost the guy was six and a half feet tall when he was 13 or something. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wrestling grown men and making a living at 15. It's mind-blowing when you hear stories like that. Yeah. You know, when I was 15, I was playing in rock and roll bands in bars that I had no business being in, but I couldn't imagine being a wrestler. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's absolutely true. Just the, some of the people you hear about, some of the things that happened, 
the the truth is stranger than the stuff you see saw in the ring. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Robbie, we are starting to run up on time. So first off, let me thank you for coming on. I do appreciate you doing this on such short notice. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what if anything, is coming up you'd like to let people know about? Uh, that could be even you playing somewhere, uh, you know, musically. But what, what would you like to talk about? Uh, let's see. Well, I know I have a pretty packed August. I would have to pull out my calendar to rattle off. But I know I have uh, stuff coming up in Auburn, New York. Um, I'll be in Port Colborne, Ontario, Canada coming up. Uh, I got stuff in Niagara Falls and Toronto. Um, I will be posting all of the dates and all the flyers on my social media, so I'll just give you that. Um, that'll be my Twitter is at RobbieV13, and that is also the same as my Instagram handle, at RobbieV13. Um, so those those will all be posted. But, yeah, I'll be all over the place. I think I have um, – I got a few more matches for July, but in August I believe I have somewhere around eight or nine matches coming up so far and still adding more, so – I will definitely be keeping my social media up to date as much as possible. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. When I see them, I'll retweet them as well. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how how do you like traveling to Canada right now in the midst of the turmoil we seem to be having as a country? It's a little weird for me. You know, I I love wrestling in Canada. Mm-hmm. So to me, like that's, that's my, my thing. I love going up there. Um, the talent up there is unbelievable as well. And they're just great people. The, the locker rooms are always great. There's never any drama. There's never any egos. Everybody wants to help everybody. Everybody gets along. And um, if I could just name drop, a, do you mind if I name drop a couple guys that no. I just want to give? Okay. Out. So um, as far as, you know, guys up in Canada that I think are incredible that people should check out, um, Fight or Flight, great tag team. Um, Mark Wheeler, awesome. Um who else is up there? Um, of course, you got to have your guys like uh, Cody Diener and Ethan Page, but they don't need any shout-outs from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's there's some great, great talent up there. Um, I highly recommend people check out the Ontario area for uh, indie wrestling for sure. Well, I'll see who I can find up there, and I'll start following them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, see, I was up in uh, British Columbia when, okay. when that um, I don't know, that Saturday where all the white supremacists marched in Virginia. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in a foreign country, and the whole time I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is on the news up here. Oh, boy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure, like, okay, make sure all the cash I have on me is Canadian, because I don't want to talk about being an American today. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I know, right? And I've, I've already started to get to the point where I'm wondering, like, are they going to allow American passports into Canada here pretty soon? I hope so. That's I, I love being there. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, one of my favorite spots is Vancouver. I love going to Toronto. Toronto is wow. my, my jam. I, that, I go up there for concerts. That is on my, my checklist. I'm hoping to get up there in the next two years. I highly recommend it. Toronto is so fun. And like I said, I go to concerts there. I've seen Wednesday 13 there a bunch. Um, I saw him. Um, Steel Panther, like oh, Steel just, Panther's awesome. Yeah, love those guys. <laughs> yeah. They they really are. See, right now on uh, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, I'm pretending to be on the lamb because of the uh, Canadian fatwa because I said something negative about Bret Hart. Ah, uh, gotcha. And um, so Canada's been on my mind the last couple of days. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to carry that through to this week or if I'm going to do something else. Right, right. 
because I change my gimmick every week on that show. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. I don't change my voice to go with the gimmick. Though. <laughs> Just the gimmick. Just the gimmick. This this last week I was a uh, a, a uh, luchador mask, cowboy hat wearing uh, crime fighter. That's so awesome. it was my, my ode to Dusty Rhodes as the Midnight Rider. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yep. All right, Robbie. Well, thank you for being on here again. What is your Twitter handle if people want to check you out? That's going to be at Robbie. That's R-O-B-B-Y-V-13. And that's the same as Instagram. All right. So everybody go check out Robbie on Instagram and Twitter. And that's uh, Rockstar Robbie Vegas. Yes, sir. And are you looking forward to the new Halloween movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I watched the trailer about 19 times already. Yeah, I, am, I am holding my breath. I rewatched Halloween 1 about five times in the last three weeks. Right. Actually, I have two, to be honest with you. Yeah. I've been watching that and uh, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, that's a great one, too. Well, you know, yeah. we'll, um, I, I've got an idea of where Geekish Cast is going to go with watching horror movies here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to stay in touch with you. Yeah. Because what I'd like to do is do a good, bad, and the ugly review of some really low-budget horror films. I would love to do that. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you in my Rolodex then. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com/geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast, and for myself, Jeremy, and for Robbie Vegas. So long, everybody. <laughs>